Welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Podcast. We're a real community of people who are passionate about pursuing God and growing in our relationship with Him. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit northridge.org.au. Okay, so Sunday school wasn't just Sunday school when you went to this particular church. You stayed on for everything, whether it was eating, whether it was the morning service, whatever, you stayed. Um, And so I went to Sunday school for an hour um, and then experienced my first service at a gospel chapel. And this meant I sat in the front row of the church, shock horror, um, which faced the rest of the congregation because in um, the Open Brethren they really liked the concept that we're equal and that um, we're united and together. And I do think that my love for community has uh, eventuated out of that. It's quite amazing. Um, Anyway, so I had to sit in the front um, because the family I came with, he was, the father was an elder, like, you know, really important person, um, but still equal. Um, (laughs) And the thing that I didn't mention is that I have this background in compulsory Sunday school attendance and my father was a lay preacher and I had to listen to, he wasn't like this, but the minister at our church was all about hellfire and brimstone um, and he'd be up on the pulpit with his surplus, with the whole authority of speaking and it drove us all crazy but nevertheless um, that was what I was used to. So when I came to sit in a gospel chapel meeting, um, you sat as a, a girl, a woman, you sat there silent for about an hour and a quarter um, And not only that, but sitting in the front row, I had to sit like the Queen with my knees together and um, really just listen. And the only thing that you did was to stand and sing when a hymn was suggested. Um, And I also had to wear a hat. So I was very good at following rules and regulations. I did whatever anybody asked me. Okay, so that was the whole three-hour experience. And once a month it was, what do you call it? Fellowship tea, I think it was. So, you know, we all sat around and um, drank tea, drank tea, sandwiches, tea. Um, and it was, it was pretty hard going that first, you know, week or so when you're just trying to um, get into the swing of things. Um, But because I had my friend with me, it was more like a novelty, you know, so I had never experienced something like this before and there she was, she was there with me. Um, But the other thing is too that I was made to feel very special, uh, important, not special, as we might define it these days. Um, And so many people introduced themselves to me after the service and it was really amazing just to become um, someone and, um, yeah, to have an identity, it was quite, quite unique for me. Um, but after that, I was then invited home for lunch with these wonderful people. And again, that went on for six years. I really don't think they knew what they were getting into when they picked me up. And I could apologise now profusely, and I have done actually, to this family because I so loved um, being loved by them and being a part of them. Um, part of being with them on a Sunday afternoon was to watch the tennis. So 
it got my love of tennis going. They had chickens, they had bantam chooks, so I really got to know about them too. And so all those different experiences were really just, you know, I was laughing it up, loved it. Um, and then we went back to church at night. So the whole day was taken up with, you know, Sunday school, church, eating, um, being together in the afternoon and then coming back to, um, to church in the evening. And I guess in all of this, you're probably saying, well, where's your faith, you know, at this stage? I think I was about 13. Um, and, you know, I was a really good person. Oh, my goodness, I was such a do-gooder. It was sickening. Um, and I guess at that stage, my level of understanding was fairly simple. So I, in that time, um, my faith as such was buried and I was just so enjoying belonging, being loved beyond the one occasion and being invited back over and over again. This church became my new context and I couldn't wait for each weekend to come around. Netball all day Saturday, coaching, umpiring, playing, watching, loved netball. Um, and then church on Sunday. So, you know, my, my timetable was complete. Um, and then this one invitation which I accepted, the first one, became a lifestyle for me, one that most teenagers wouldn't warm to because it was so structured, but I loved it because I belonged. I also started to learn um, at Sunday school about the Bible, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, all its layers, Moses, all the depths of the Old Testament and memory verses. Very good on memory verses. Um, but the most important message was about God wanting a personal relationship with me, and that's something I probably may have heard at the other church, but certainly didn't absorb. So another invitation was put before me. All I had to do was accept it, and that was Jesus wanting me um, to have him as a centre of my life. The verse that probably meant more to me at that time than any other was Revelation 3.20 with Jesus speaking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And I guess that became quite uh, a challenge because it meant that I had to do something. I couldn't be complacent. Um, so it was probably at the age of 15 when I heard much about Jesus' love for me and I saw it in genuine, beautiful people. Um, so I heard it and I responded. And this is where the idea of invitation does get tricky because I'd been invited to church, I'd been invited to be part of this um, community and then... Um, and I'd been wanted and present at the occasion I was invited to. So there's that literal level. Um, and I was quite content. So there was no real needs that I had except that I had found this other family. Um, so the new level of being invited reached um, deeper where it, it asked me to be uncomfortable and to have to respond to do something. Uh, but it's been so worth it. Again, you know, the whole concept of I stand at the door and knock is Jesus wants you to ask. He wants you to be transactional 
in um, your relationship with him, with my relationship with him, and rather than be passive, which I'd much prefer. Um, so he called me and loved me as he reached the door and I had to open the door to invite him in. The relationship became two-way. It was not now looking at a God who gave me the ways for living but that he wanted to be involved with me and I had to do something towards that. Um, and this was my beginning of understanding what it means to follow Jesus. I wish um, my experience of walking with him remained that simple because at the time it was so lovely just to be amongst Christians and also to be encouraged to ask people, uh, invite them to come to church or to go to camps or whatever you do as a teenager. Um, so there was a lot of that that really resonated with me. Um, and as a teenager, it gave me grounding. And for that, I am very, very thankful. So after that, in my 20s, I wish I could say it was that simple and that my relationship with the Lord was constant. I do totally believe he's been constant with me. And again, I made choices where I was, whether I stuck with him or whether I walked away. Um, and often I chose the walking away, feeling like I needed to experience more of the world. And why I ever thought that meant I had to be without him, I have no idea, but that was a lot of my thinking. So there was a time too when I guess um, eventually I did get the idea, and this is probably many years later, where the, the definition that I used that's more abstract, is to be preferred. And I think it was at that time in my teenage life that I understood what it was to be preferred by Jesus. And of course, he prefers all people. But for me, it was personal and it meant something. It actually took on a new meaning for my context. Um, and while I wish that that was the constant I lived with, the, the wonder of um, his being... Um, my, my God, my guide, um, the person who constantly loves me when others don't. Uh, I wish that that was consistent, but I wasn't very. And it probably took me 40 years to work that out. Um, <clears throat> and I guess the thing that made me work it out was that when you're created in God's image, um, you're dissatisfied with anything else but him. And I really did experience that. You know, people used to talk about God-shaped vacuums in our lives. And again, another metaphor, but it's significant. It does mean to be complete is to be complete in him. Where am I up to? Oh, oh, I haven't been timing myself. I'm sorry. All right. Um, the other thing, too, is that I had a family that told me that I'd grow out of this Christian stuff. I mean, ironically, you know, we had a, a lay preacher in the family and we, um, <laughs> we had the most, uh, what can I say, extremes within the family. But I was told that I'd grow out of it, um, that I'd see the, tr the truth when I grew up. And even being taught this or told this as an adult meant that my faith wasn't accepted 
Um, and so, therefore, you're up against uh, a whole lot of stuff about your identity and what you do with that. Um, our family also had pretty screwy ideas about love, and that often weighed heavily um, in my downtime. So, I um, suffer from depression, and therefore, you know, getting that balance right in my health. Um, is so important because it does definitely impact on my spiritual life. But I also have come to the realisation that God is so much bigger than my um, disability or my lack. And he wants me complete, and I'm so aware of that now. But it only took me till I was 60 to work it out. Um, and I've also had real trouble accepting singleness and the big unanswered, unanswered questions that go with that. Um, I think many of us would appreciate that concept. But it also is true that the older I have become, the more I've recognised that we've all got our own stuff to deal with. And it's not the stuff that's the problem, but how we deal with it. So I have had to start practising what I believe for myself and others, Jesus died to free us from the effects of sin, whether that be my own, others, or what comes from living in a fallen world. If he died for it, then he wants me free from it. So um, rather than just staying with the accepting Jesus and that simple level of invitation, it now becomes that whole concept of transactional love. He loves me. I love him, and I need to live by that. And there are times when I struggle a great deal. But the constant is the more important than the circumstance or the variable, and that, that has become very important. Um, so John 10.10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So if he wants that for me, then I'm now at that point of believing that that's going to happen. And it's not just a, an idle f belief, um, like perhaps someone in my family said, but it's a trusting belief. It's actually relying on the person who I've put my trust in. And it makes me realise that human beings are very inconstant and um, that he is completely constant with me. Um, so I've gone beyond the, the known and being invited into the unknown. And the depth of that relationship is growing as we get to a point of, as I get to a point of thinking, well, what next? What, what more is there? Realising that there is. So um, from the, the Christian of 15, um, with all my rules and regulations and my do-gooding and my um, fitting into community and, and probably, this sounds awful, being a bit of a leech for love. You know, I, I found myself just absolutely wanting to be approved of and loving being loved, that it has a, a side to it that can be quite negative. And um, one of the things that I've had to agree to is that the person who took me to church um, is the person I need to contact now. Uh, she doesn't walk with the Lord now, and yet she has been so significant in my life. So she deserves um, to know that and to know that 
God is loving her regardless of where she's at. So um, the part of growing deeper and closer to Jesus is about making wise choices. So I've gone from the invitation to choice. And the choice is either daily or long-term. But it's really interesting how you do have choice at any given situation. Um, And so therefore, uh, I have to think a lot more about how I um, respond to different situations, how I am proactive in the choices I make to reflect what Jesus wants for me for the best. And so there's a lot more of that intentional um, movement rather than, you know, just being a person who floats around. Um, Funny enough, someone gave me a key ring two weeks ago and the two words on it are choose joy. And I see that as a present continuous, that joy is the constant which comes only from Jesus. So my relationship with Jesus is the constant. And within that, there are the everyday choices to choose joy. And again, I'm not, I'm not very good at it a lot of the time, particularly because I, I deal with a lot of you know, stuff, um, health issues and circumstance that drives me crazy, as it probably does you too. But I do now understand the whole concept of that circumstance doesn't dictate my life, that there is the the constant relationship with Jesus that is the most important thing. Thank you, Verve. That was um, that was beautiful. We're just going to pray with Verve. If you could just reach out your hand, she's laid her heart for us, and I just want to say thank you, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful woman of yours, a woman of immense courage and wisdom. And I thank you for your constancy in her life. And Lord God, we just look forward to seeing the fruit of you more and more in Verve's life. And Lord, we just particularly pray now for her friend. Lord, I thank you for that woman way back when who invited Verve. We thank you for you, for her, Lord, and we call her back home. We pray that you would give Viv the wisdom and the words and the timing to um, be that handout invitation to her again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we just want to, um, number two, Rocco, he's going to share with us. <laughs> Not number two, he's a, we all number one, sorry. So. <laughs> but I'm still his favourite. So, um, yeah. You just want to stretch out a hand. Lord, we thank you for Rocco's story. Lord, we thank you for what you've laid in his heart and what he's going to share with us. Lord, we pray that you would empower with his, his words with love. Um, again, we just open our hearts to hear what you're doing in his life, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, uh, I, I was just thinking back as Viv was talking um, about uh, when Bonnie sent me an email sort of asking to come and talk um, and my first reaction was, oh, cool, that's, that's great. I, I read the questions and I thought that'd be awesome to share. Um, but as time went by, 
I started thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to go up in front of a whole load of people and share <laughs> um, and, and talk about some, um, you know, quite sort of personal, intimate things. So, um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, that's always a good place to, to start because um, you're putting yourself in that vulnerable position. I think that's when the Lord can sort of step in and do his work. So, um, uh, yeah, so my name's Rocco. Um, I'm married to Amanda and we have two girls, Olivia and Ava. Olivia's 12 and um, Ava's nine. Um, yeah, so just thinking about, um, you, you know, the, the sort of topic that we are asked to talk about. So um, Rob and Bonnie sort of asked to share about uh, stories of how and who um, uh, invited me to get to know Jesus. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that was a starting point to share um, where I was in life before I met Jesus and to talk about the people God used to c- connect me to Jesus. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to basically just go through my story um, and, you know, take on a bit of a journey of those people in my life that sort of led me to Jesus. It wasn't sort of one big, you know, this is it. It was, it was a bit of a drip feed over time, um, and I think I think God's gracious in that He sort of takes you, uh, you know, those people who need to through a bit of a journey. Um, and you'll you'll probably notice Amanda features quite heavily in that journey. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll probably just read off this because um, that way I'll I'll stick to uh, stick to what I've I've planned. So um, to know someone, you need to be introduced, be able to have a conversation with them, get to know their character and personality. You might know of someone, but how do you really get to know someone? So my parents were both Catholics. I grew up as Catholic. Uh, My knowledge of Jesus came from uh, books and what others had told me. Growing up a Catholic, I knew a lot about Jesus, but I couldn't say I had a real relationship with him. I found it hard to relate to the church The message really was relevant to my life. Uh, To me, it felt more like going through the motions, sort of out of obligation. Mostly I felt God was sort of there, you know, the almighty judge up there, and and I was sort of down here, and that sort of connection wasn't there. Uh, My initial faith and experience of church was developed through what I was taught at school and going to Sunday Mass. Uh, Growing up, I remember there was a big focus around the sacraments, so baptism, First Holy Communion uh, and Confirmation. Um, And as an Italian with a a big family, I'm I'm sort of one of five boys, uh, lots of aunties and uncles, it was a big family occasion. We'd all get together and celebrate those sacraments. And that was great. I sort of loved that. But, you know, there was something missing. At the time, I didn't know, but sort of looking back, I could see that there was something missing. Um, uh, just trying to find my room. Yeah, so as a teenager, I, I pulled away from going to church. Uh, my education and being with friends became more of a priority to me. In my early 20s, I got involved in New Age spirituality. For me, this was more hands-on. It was more relevant and more interactive. Uh, I joined a group of other New Agers and we would sort of delve into things like past life regression, uh, communicating with spirits through channeling and seeking guidance from the universe on life. 
ultimately, as a new age, I believed I was the centre of my universe and sharing experience with other believers. So looking back, essentially I was really searching to, to fill a hole inside of me, that, that sort of spiritual void um, that I'm sure a lot of you have felt over time, um, and just trying to find something that was sort of interactive that would really fill that, that need with inside of me. Uh, it was at this time that I met Amanda, my lovely wife. Uh, we're both... We were, at that time, we were both real soul searchers. We still are. Um, and we both got involved in New Age spirituality. Amanda was in Australia on a working holiday visa from the UK. And she was staying with a naturopath uh, who I was seeing uh, for back pain. And uh, her name, so she was a, a naturopath, Grace. Uh, she introduced us. Uh, we connected. Uh, we became best of friends. And, uh, and she met, fell madly in love with me. <laughs> And I fell madly in love with her as well. <laughs> uh, so Amanda, just a bit about Amanda. So um, she grew up as a ba- sorry, she grew up in the Baptist church. Uh, similar to me, she pulled away from the church, sort of teenage years. Um, she still, yeah, still believed in God, but she had the same issue. There was that void in her life that uh, needed filling. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Amanda, she, she went into the city one day and she was uh, returning from the city, got off at Castle Hill. She heard some music happening, uh, went over to explore and uh, Hillsong had a, a sort of youth um, band and sort of meet and greet on the street thing happening. Uh, she met um, some lovely Christian ladies there called uh, Donna and Simone and she struck up a relationship. Um, I think you got their details, didn't you? And, um, and that the friendship sort of um, didn't, didn't blossom from there, but it was just a, an initial um, touch. Um, yeah, so... Um, sorry, I've just lost my place. After, so Amanda, uh, Amanda we're travelling around Australia, uh, she returned to Sydney, and this is when she she was looking for somewhere to stay. She got in touch with Donna and Simone, and uh, she moved with them with moved in with them for a period of time. Um, and she got to know them. I got to know them. Uh, we, we were dating at the time, so I was there a lot, a lot. Um, and yeah, so we we got to know um, uh, Donna and Simone, and. I think the thing that struck us about them is they were just so um, genuine, um, caring, uh, honest, just really decent people. And, you know, at the time I was still into New Age spirituality and, you know, they'd sort of slip bits of God in there and Jesus and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I know, that's that's in the past and I'm on the New Age stuff. I've, you know, I've got the goods. Um, but it... it yeah, over time, um, that that's that changed, and God, from that point, had a marker on me, and and I guess yeah, he was he was on my case, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I, I guess 
it was, for me, I was living a pretty soul-centred life. Um, and, you know, I'd sort of go out with my mates, partying on the weekend, go to university, work. It was all about me and, and what I could get out of life. Um, so Amanda's, uh, Amanda's visa uh, ran out and uh, she had to return to the UK and we were both pretty devastated about that. Um, and we, we agreed to have a long-distance relationship, um, which we, we had for on and off for, well, on the whole time, but it was for two years. And she came to, well, I, I went out to visit her for two months in the UK, and then she came out to Australia for four months. Um, and that, that was quite a difficult time. Um, and, yeah, we, we kept in, in contact and kept the relationship going. Um, and during this time, um, so Donna and Simone, uh, Simone would get in touch with me um, to find out, find out how I was doing, uh, and she'd continuously say, do you want to come to church, come to Hillsong, you yeah. So I, I couldn't keep saying no, so I was polite, and I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll come along. So I, I went along to Hillsong, and it was, um, it was bizarre. <laughs> At the time, I, I, it was all these people, very enthusiastic, a lot of people, um, a guy very enthusiastic on stage just talking about stuff, um, which kind of sort of had a bit of a, um, a sort of connection with me in the back of my head. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, it was a bit awkward, to be honest. Um, yeah, so... Um, where am I? So while, while Amanda... So Amanda came back to Australia. Um, she was, we were together for four months here before we moved out to the UK. Um, we spent 13 years in the UK. Um, so in that four months, um, Amanda uh, got in touch with Donna and Simone. Um, she was feeling a bit dry in her life. Um, you know, was feeling uh, a lot of sort of voids and you know, pain and upset. So she got in touch with them. She started going to church. Uh, and on uh, one occasion she recommitted her life to the Lord. Um, whilst she was doing that in an evening service, I was out with my older brother who was getting married on his buck stew, and we are at a pub, and um, I, I remember coming home a little bit worse for wear, uh, and um, Amanda saying, oh, I've got to tell you something, something really important happened in my life. Um, I've, I've recommitted my life to the Lord. And I, I turned to her and I said, so what does that mean? Are, are you going to become a nun or something? Well, I, I, was, I just didn't understand what, what it meant. So, um, yeah, so that, that was the start of something for, for both of us, really. Um, so, at the, at the, so at the end of the four months... Um, we moved to the UK. Uh, Amanda was keen to find a church in Bournemouth, uh, similar to uh, Hillsong, and she spoke with her mum, uh, who was also a Christian, who found a vineyard church in Bournemouth. Uh, we both started going to Bournemouth Vineyard, uh, which at the time was a, a growing church. It was about 25 members, so it was quite small and intimate. Um, I went along with Amanda to, to support her, and there was a bit of curiousness about what this thing was and um, what this connection that Amanda had found. Um, so we got introduced to um, the pastors there, so Rob and Kathy Clark, 
Uh, Rob was a, a big burly Canadian guy. He was um, into hockey, uh, loved beer, uh, loved pizza, loved uh, ribeye steak. So I, I, we, we would bond over these sorts of things and, and you know, have conversations about home and things like that. And it, it sort of made me think, you know, it, it, he's just a real person. So it, it really... Um, changed my my sort of thoughts and views on you know what church was what a leader was um and he was quite instrumental in leading both of us from where we were that sort of initial you know journey of being with the lord sort of taking us through to to really understanding what it was to uh have a relationship and and inviting us on that on that journey really um so so that was that was quite special um, I would attend Bournemouth Vineyard and I found the sermons very real, very relevant um, and it, it was almost like the, the teacher was talking directly to me and I, I couldn't understand. I thought, how does he know my innermost thoughts? How, how, can, you know, how can he be speaking directly to me like he knows my past, my present? Um, and it would really wrestle with my mind. I remember coming away having headaches and just being in turmoil about the whole thing. And I think looking back, it was really God sort of, you know, sort of doing a change in me, I guess, sort of, sort of changing me, my thoughts, and me coming to terms with, you know, what it was to be a Christian uh, and, and to um, have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, yeah, and I guess the other thing that, that sort of struck me going to the church was um, the, the worship. It was, you know, it was a live, it was a band, they were good musicians, the songs were really heartfelt and it really sort of drew you into a, a, a sort of relationship and drew you into a place where, you know, you, you really felt in your heart a connection with the Lord. Um, and also people coming up and being prayed, there was that sort of, that, um, that connection, that, that sort of spiritual dynamic and interaction where God would do transaction, would heal people and, you know, would change people's lives. Um, so in those early stages, probably the first couple of months going to Bournemouth Vineyard, um, at the same time, so I just moved out to the UK, I was looking for work, um, and I remember one uh, afternoon I was sort of pouring through the local papers, um, struggling to find work, being in a position where, you know, the money was running out and I really needed to, to find something to, um, to keep the funds coming in. Um, and I remember putting on a worship CD and just really pouring out my heart to the Lord. Um, and I remember specifically saying to him, um, I said, Lord, if you're real... Uh, I need a job, and if you provide a job for me, I will never doubt you again. So I was really just throwing it out there to him in a, in a very clear way. And within seconds, the phone rang, and it was an Australian lady who was in the UK recruiting, uh, offered me a job, and it just blew me away. I mean, I, yeah, here I was searching for a spiritual experience, and, and God just provided like that so for me that that was you know that that was an amazing experience and to for me that was really the turning point in my sort of relationship with the Lord I couldn't deny I couldn't go back 
and you know everything you know all my sort of prejudices just sort of fell off and and I just accepted the Lord sort of from that day forward um, so there's another couple that that we met uh, who were quite sort of instrumental in our journey with the Lord um, Peter and Ann Scott and they, they were a little bit older than us probably around our grandparents age um, and they, they were involved in church leadership and they also did a number of trips to Africa uh, missionary trips um, and lived there for quite some time uh, Peter and, and Anne invited us to do an Alpha course uh, which they hosted for the, the Bournemouth Vineyard um, we got to know a number of people there who were also on the same journey of searching for the Lord, searching for answers, trying to, trying to understand uh, what it was to be a Christian. Some in the early stages, some sort of, you know, really not having made much of a commitment. Um, we got to know Peter and Anne very well and they became a bit like uh, surrogate grandparents slash Christian mentors for us. Um, and yeah, we would we would go around there and sort of ask him all sorts of awkward questions about faith and and things. And and they they were very gracious. They they took us in. Um, we went around there for numerous meals. Um, they prayed for us. They were just genuine, lovely people. Um, uh, both of them very funny, down to earth, normal people, which. Yeah, it sounds funny to say normal. What is normal? Um, but it's funny over time. Yeah, when you when you pull away from the church and you have those prejudices against it, how your perception changes of what's normal and what's not. So yeah, I think, and also as a Christian, just being able to relate to people is, you know, is is a key thing. Um, yeah. So we learnt a lot from them, and we also learnt a lot about what it was to have a real relationship with Jesus. Uh, we're also part of a, a home group or a life group in Bournemouth Vineyard. Uh, we met some really great Christians uh, at that group. Um, and it, it was, it was an, an opportunity, again, to sort of you know, meet people who were on the same journey um, and getting to know Jesus. And we felt that it was, it was also a great opportunity just to you know, journey with people um, in the good times and the not-so-good times. And I, I don't know about you, if you've sort of spent time outside of the church as a non-Christian, it, it's tough when you're on your own. It's, you know, to have a group of people like this and a home group cheering you on, asking how you are, yeah, that that is that's the love of God, and you know I think that's what keeps us coming back and and keeping in contact with Jesus. Um, so yeah, so God used this time to show me uh, who He was and how great the church could be. I also saw the church community was complex and it wasn't perfect. And, and that, that was okay. And I don't think God expects us to be perfect. Um, and, yeah, that's what also keeps us coming back to the Lord. Um, we moved back to Australia in 2011 and we started coming to um, Northridge Vineyard. 
Um, we'd visited a few years before, um, in fact twice. So when, when we'd travel out to Australia to visit my family, we'd, we'd popped in a couple of times. Uh, we got to know Rob and Bonnie through um, one of those trips out. We had a barbecue with them and uh, we kept in touch with them. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that connection sort of and, and coming to Northridge Vineyard and feeling, you know, at home, it was a weird feeling going to Bournemouth Vineyard, sort of halfway around the other side of the world, coming here, and it was similar flavour, and, and you felt God's presence, and you felt at home, basically. And I had that same feeling when we came back in 2011. I, I walked through the door, and I just felt God say, welcome home, and, and it was just such a lovely feeling. Um, so looking back, um, to me, it's pretty clear uh, that God brought people into my life uh, and led me into a relationship with the Lord. Um, you know, I've talked about a number of people in my life that have sort of impacted my walk and sort of led me into that presence with Jesus. Um, and I think the key things, you know, if I was to look at those people and say what, what was it that, that um, they did, essentially, it, it was really just being genuinely caring um, to me uh, not choosing to be uh, judgmental. They were real and honest um, about their lives, so they, they would share openly about their lives. Uh, and they made themselves available, so they, they were there. You know, they wouldn't sort of prefer themselves. They, they would invite you along. Um, so I think it's important for us as Christians to be open with our faith uh, when we meet people, uh, to be genuine to be relatable and to be real. Um, and I also think it's important that we pray for people's salvation and intercede for them on their behalf. Um, so with Donna and Simone, I don't think I mentioned this, um, in, in the time that we had a long-distance relationship, they were praying for us continuously. And, you know, you can't underestimate that prayer time and, and the impact of that. Um, and essentially, so that's our bit, and that's, you know, relating to people, and I guess the rest is up to the Lord. So we do what we do, be genuine, relatable, talk to them about Jesus, and, and leave the rest up to the Lord. And that's it. Yeah. You just want to stretch out a hand towards Rocco, please. Lord, we thank you for... Rocco's gentle but powerful and profound testimony, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in his life, Lord, and we do. We just pray for more, and we look forward to the testimony of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rocco.